After all this time, Gallifrey. Live from Classroom 2B at Bash Street School, this is Doctor Who Podshot. Outpost Gallifrey presents Doctor Who Podshock, episode 67 for the week of February 11th, 2007. My name is Ken Deep, alongside Mr. Louis F. Trapani. Hello. And across the pond, Mr. James Naughton. Hello. And joining us in, in the UK, Colin? Hello. Yes, he's uh, in the UK. Colin, you're in, in the UK. I just wanted to, um, you know, just yes. in case you... <laughs> that went smoothly, everyone. <laughs> nice start to the show. And this after, week. The, after the tow truck pulls all the cars apart from the intersection, we'll begin the show. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> Incidentally, what does the F in Lewis F. Trapani stand for this week? Do we have any idea? It stands for fantastic. <laughs> does it? Okay. Just like the Ninth Doctor's catchphrase. I like it. Good. It works for me. There was me going for <laughs> fabulous, but. <laughs> <laughs> that may have been last time, I'm not sure. Quite possibly. Let's let's move away from this train wreck and get into the news. <laughs> John Barrowman reports that on BBC Radio 2 that Torchwood Series 2 won't be hitting the airwaves or won't be transmitted, but it's coming in 2008, which is next year, which is a one-year... Um, but we don't know when next year... But it's um, early, early, says, early. Yes, yeah, you're right. Just yes. early. That's so right. it's um it's a one year hiatus there between because um the series finale was on New Year's um day this year so it's a whole year gap there much later than we were expecting which we were originally actually I guess it's only if it's if it does come January of next year it's only maybe a three year three month delay rather uh, since last time it's uh, this last year it started in October so it may be starting a few months later than. It did last year, but still, it's quite a a surprise, certainly to me. I th I would have thought it would have been much much sooner, um, but I guess maybe. Well, they kind of did a similar thing with Doctor Who. They had it on the second series was slight on slightly later than the first series. Uh, I think the first series started in in late February or early March, and then. The second series was on in late March, so they delayed it a little bit, was, I think. Yeah, so maybe was, they're just doing a similar thing for Torchwood. In 2005, it was like, I believe, March 25th or 24th, and then it was April 17th last year. It was almost like a month later. And right, then, okay. Well, what's interesting is that um, if it does run for three months like it did this last time, then it will be back-to-back uh, -back with the next series of Doctor Who for 2008. So series four, that would be... Um, it would kind of just flow right into that, if that's the case. That's a good point, yeah. Unless unless it's not going to be, um, you know, the standard 13 episodes. Maybe it's just going to be shorter, or maybe they're going to go for hour-long episodes, or I don't know. Uh, it's going to be interesting, because surely they wouldn't try and... Well, I, I don't suppose it's going to be on the same time slot as Doctor Who, but 
it's on at the same time, then they kind of are almost in direct competition with themselves. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't suspect it will. I um, from you know, not that I have any insight on it, but uh, just from my intuition, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. They'll, you know, they'll they'll have one end before the other one begins, and we still don't know about Sarah Jane Smith when that's going to come into play. As far as um, you know, the, the, maybe that yeah. maybe that will be um, you know, in Torchwood's place, maybe that or or maybe that will be in the summer right after Doctor Who ends. I have a feeling. I think. April sticks in my brain from somewhere. Maybe that will run alongside Doctor Who. Yeah, I, I don't know. I can see that running concurrently with it. You know, where it's um, yes, they're overlapping audiences, but I, I don't think it will be in competition with each other. Exactly, and it's a different sort of show. It's yeah. for kids, and it's on on weekdays at a much earlier time, and it's only going. I think there's only going to be like five two-parters or something like that, so ten episodes in total, if memory serves. It's kind of strange how they've done it to kind of put build up excitement in the show for something to have to have like the 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 invasion of the Bane, the introduction to the series so early before the actual series starts. I think that's weird. I can understand the Christmas invasion and indeed, obviously, um, the latest one, The Runaway Bride, why that's necessary to keep the fans appeased in the long hiatus between shows due to the production and the special effects and everything else. But to introduce a show in such a way is quite strange, I think. But I wouldn't be surprised if it if it's on at the same, not the same time slot, obviously, but at the same region of time as, as Doctor Who. It well, wouldn't surprise me. Maybe they learned a lesson when Rose, the original um, episode Rose, got leaked out on the internet, which stirred up a lot of um, news interest, and publicity yeah, yeah. and interest about the series. So maybe that's doing the same thing. Maybe they were hoping that Invasion of the Bane will now get people interested in the series and give them a clue what it's about. Yeah, but I don't know. I can't see... Um, well, I guess it is interesting and it was good fun, but it, it is a kid's show, yeah, so... you got to keep that I don't in perspective. Think, yeah, I don't think uh, it's the same thing, but I, I can appreciate what you're saying. Yeah. In a related story, I was just mentioning that um, John Barrowman had reported when the Torchwood Series 2 is going to begin, on the same note, David Tennant um, was interviewed in the TV Times, the magazine states that the series will return in March. So that gives a, a date, well, not an exact, you know, date, but a, at least a But a, a window. Month. Yeah, to, yeah, to window. shoot for it. Yeah, So that's cool. It's only um, a couple of months away. Uh, yeah, well, not even that. Next month. Yeah, so okay. in, in what, since now it's like the 11th, so it's in like two weeks or something like that. Not even, not very long, because, of course, February is a very short month, so... Yeah. Not long at all till uh, it's on our screens, and I'm excited about this. Should be awesome. Can't wait. Well, who isn't excited about this? Which sort of also, well, aside from there are some spoilers in in this interview. So of course, go over to Outpost Gallifrey at gallifrey1.com if you want to read about that. We're not going to talk too much about that. But on a similar note, relating to the fact that of course. Uh, the Doctor Who will be returning in March. There's some interesting news. Well, I thought it was interesting anyway. I don't know about you guys. Um, about the third series, which is kind of... We talked about this in last week's show, I think. Uh, kind of a spoiler, a minor spoiler. 
Um, but a kind of a major piece of casting news has been revealed and almost confirmed in The Independent on Sunday. Because, of course, The Independent is a, a quite a highbrow uh, broadsheet newspaper. So as a lot of what it says, yeah, as an as alternative a, to, to things like The Sun or which, The Daily Star or whatever which, else it is. Yeah, The Sun originally reported this, and we, we, we mentioned this last week. Yeah, but of course, uh, John Sim is was rumoured to be joining the cast of the third series, and I quote from the newspaper article, travelling back through the years for hit show Life on Mars has given the actor more fame than he knows how to cope with, but now he reveals to Liz Hoggard a new role that will mean seeing a doctor. So although it doesn't state it specifically, it's kind of obvious as to what it's alluding to because it was in, I believe, The Sun the following week um, talking about the fact that uh, there's just going to be this whole new spin-off series to Life on Mars called Ashes to Ashes, but John Sim's not doing it, but mm. he will be in Doctor Who. So, Is the it's... entire series named after something David Bowie? It's it's named after <laughs> yeah it's named after uh, original the original series and 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 the spin-off series of both Bowie songs yes yeah so um, which is well cool. obviously the life on Mars is is obviously relating to the 70s so I guess Ashes to Ashes is, the 80s. is set in the 1980s yeah. so I guess that's why they're doing it like that but yeah it's kind of clever and an interesting. Uh, piece of uh, trivia, I suppose. So maybe we but, can give a hint without, um, without, okay, this is a spoiler, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's just a hint. Yeah. <laughs> so if you don't want to hint, the slightest hint, if, if you don't want to hint about the spoiler, then just like skip ahead um, 20 seconds. He's trying to grow a goatee. And that's all I'll say. <laughs> yeah, that's quite, that's, that's quite a, a major hint there. But anyway. <laughs> But if you want to see the spoilers, of course, again, head over to uh, Outpost Gallifrey at gallifrey1.com and click well, on the news I, button. I really like some of the stuff Colin was mentioning um, in the pre-show, so is it possible that we can discuss this in a, in a spoiler zone? Yeah, why not? Let's have the cloister bell going off in the background. This is going to be a spoiler zone regarding this issue, so if you're using your enhanced uh, podcast skip ahead, failing that... Uh, I don't know, maybe we could put in post how long the segment is or something and tell people, or just if you hear the cloister bell, skip ahead, I guess. The segment the is way to do it. 10 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to figure out a good way to do that for people who don't want the spoilers. But anyway, yeah, we should discuss this because it's, it's an interesting point. And I suppose you've, you've heard about this, Colin, of course, uh, being uh, on the ball with these sorts of things. Uh, well... I've heard about it from the same sources as everybody else, yes. Yeah, so. which is, of course, that um, we know... Well, here's what we know. We know that there is a very famous and highbrow uh, Shakespearean actor uh, joining the series in the role of the professor, who is, of course, Sir Jer uh, Derek Jacobi. He's mm -hmm. going to be playing a guy who is going to be helping to help uh, save the Earth along with the Doctor and, and Martha, of course. Um, but The Sun has claimed that John Sim is in negotiations to play the Master. 
because uh, the character, the professor, uh, played by Sir Derek Jacobi, he, he's kind of posing as a good guy, but the doctor discovers the truth when, of course, he dies and regenerates into John Sim, the master. So this would be a great way to tie into the um, classic series, I have no idea how the hell they would do it, to be honest, in view of the, the TV movie and everything, but where there's a will, there's a way. There always is with well, Doctor Who. there's also the fact that with the Master, I mean, we've seen his incarnation as Roger Delgado. Then we saw him as Tom Baker faced him in The Deadly Assassin. And at that point, it was said he was at the end of his regeneration. So mm-hmm. is there any possibility yeah. that this could be an earlier regeneration of the Master? That's a possibility, of course, yes, because, um, of course, they are travelling in time, and I have no t- idea of the time period that they're going back I mean, I'm, to. I'm, I'm just guessing here, you know, I've got nothing at all to back that up, yeah. but, I mean, that would be logical, unless there's something about when he went to Traken. I mean, it was kind of suggested that when he gets access to the source that this in some way restores his ability to regenerate, although it, it's not really sort of specific as to how it's done that. So, but I always wondered about, you know, there's got to be possibilities of the Doctor and the Master may have known each other in previous generations anyway, so. Well, there was, I I had heard, I don't remember where this, where this source comes from, but that uh, supposedly, and it's just an excuse why they'd never done it, and um, that there was some sort of um, temporal lore that, um, that prevented, in other words, that the Master and and the Doctor were on the same timeline, so to speak, and Therefore, that's why um, they were always in sync with each other, and you didn't see the Doctor meeting an earlier Master or vice versa, and um, and that's why the Doctor doesn't meet up with himself on a regular basis. It's uh, it's only it's it has to be like a very unusual circumstances, but you know, but that that's who's to say that that can't be done. You know, it's obviously mm. the Doctor has met himself on more than one occasion, and um, <laughs> so you know, you can always break these rules. I mean, it's what do you reckon? Go on, sorry, Colin, go it's kind of a shame, really, because, um, you know, Derek Jacobi plays such brilliant villains, you know, that he sort of has to then regenerate into a new character, because obviously he was in Scream of the Shalker, in which he played, kind, well, he sort of played the master. There was a twist on that, which I won't give away in case mm. anybody hasn't yet seen it, but it's definitely worth checking out for that purpose alone. Um, but, I mean, you know, no, um, no disrespect to John Sim. Um, who is an excellent actor anyway. Mm-hmm. You're right, Colin, because he would play a terrific master, of course, uh, Derek Jacobi, but maybe it's a two-way street because maybe he'll play kind of a whole mysterious character who, although he's a good guy, you kind of never accept that he's a good guy or never know fully what to make of him. And then, so although it is a revelation to you that it that he is in fact the master when he regenerates it will still be kind of like whoa something that you weren't completely expecting because he you know you kind of thought something was suspicious about him but you never thought that he could possibly be the master um Mm. i suspect as well that and the reason that it is going to be somebody like john sim is simply to relate to the younger audience that doctor who has these days because with all due respect a lot of the fans previously have been people who will take sort of a a cackling master that will sort of um, act in a sort of a rather camp fashion. Whereas I think that the audiences today that, have, that they've attracted 
I suppose it's debatable whether or not they would go for that or would prefer something a bit more slick and a bit more stylish. And I reckon, mm. so long as they do interesting things with him, I don't mind. But um, I mm. hope it's not just sort of like a, a Hollyoaks version of The Master, you know. <laughs> God I doubt forbid. It based on it being John Sim, but, you know. Yeah, but God forbid. Yeah, oh, no, that, that's a terrible thought. <laughs> no, no more cackling spider queens. <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, uh, I, don't I was... move. <laughs> Sorry, are we talking about John Sim or Derek Jacobi? <laughs> Ken's awfully quiet. I want to know what he thinks about this because uh, he suggested that it should be a spoiler zone. Ken, tell us your yeah, thoughts. Yeah, I just uh, going going back to something that uh, Russell T Davies said maybe about a year ago. He said that he wasn't that interested in in the Master as a character, and I, I don't know whether. But... He was just saying that to kind of blow it off, or. But he also said that he would entertain the idea of bringing the master back if the story was interesting enough. Mm. 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 So perhaps, yeah, perhaps well, the, the whole thing is, uh, is actually very interesting. And, and Colin, you had a great theory as to the the end of Torchwood, um, the finale of Torchwood. Oh yes, my sorry, my conspiracy theory. This is what um, you were hinting at before, James, wasn't it? And I didn't. On. Um, yes, well, I was wondering about the fact that at the end of Torchwood, you hear a TARDIS, but it's not necessarily... You don't see it, and I always wondered, why don't you see it? And it, it makes me wonder if... What if it isn't the Doctor that has arrived at Torchwood at the very end, but someone else, and uh, he sort of falls into this trap? Um, it would be interesting, anyway. Mm. And the meddling monk, monk pops out. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would probably be a step too far for the new viewers. <laughs> what? Uh, where did this come from? It's almost as confusing as the giant spider, but maybe not so much. Now, <laughs> if, if this um, incarnation of the Master is a later incarnation, in other words, a, a, a version after what we've seen so far, then this may explain the whole limit on regenerations, maybe post-Gallifrey, since it doesn't exist anymore, the Time Lords don't exist, maybe that limitation is removed and the Master can now freely regenerate and um, and thus this will free up the Doctor for future regenerations. I don't know. Well, yeah. too, if, um, if the face of Bo is is in the next series and there's some rumor that, that the face of Bo makes an appearance, because the last time we ran into him, uh, he very clearly said, we will meet again um, for the third time, for the last time. So. Yeah, but you can only take him on face value. <laughs> well, you have to, really. <laughs> oh, God. Dear me. Terrible pun. I'm sorry. My word. Even for you, Lewis, that was a bad pun. To apologize to everybody out there. <laughs> just <laughs> on behalf of Podshock, we I'm so are sorry. sincerely I'm so sorry. sorry. I'm so sorry. There's a thing in iTunes you can put to say if you've got explicit um, text in. Is it not want to say warning contains appalling jokes? <laughs> I, made, I made a boat bow. I'm sorry. Oh, dear. Oh, but I, I can actually say that in the later in the article, I hadn't read the full article, but um, I have to say that there is it is actually quite a major spoiler. I'm pleased we put it in the spoiler zone because I'm quoting directly from, from the article here. It says, the problem is Sim is still looks 35 going on 15, but he finally he's got the chance. He's just been cast in Doctor Who as the master. 
the doctor's evil nemesis. He'll be quite brilliant, of course, but heaven knows how he'll cope with a whole new horde of obsessed TARDIS fans. So there you have it. He is actually going to be the master. Wow. Well, according to this article, yeah. if it's true. But uh, the Independent, I don't think, would make such a, a massive flub as, say, like the... Uh, the, the Sun or the well, Daily Star. But. We know if the BBC puts out a press release, you know, disclaiming this and saying that this is all nonsense, then we know definitely that's going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. If, if, because that's what happened with Billy Piper leaving and, yes. you know, all of this stuff. So, yeah, if they refute it, we know it's true. It's going to happen. And, of course, this is The Independent on Sunday, which is slightly more posh than The Independent. So, it, you know... Yeah, now that The Independent... Yeah, now that The Independent's gone kind of all tabloidy with a smaller version, you can't have that in a, in a broadsheet paper, can you? Well, no. Uh, but anyway, maybe we have devoted far too much time to this... Uh, this has been kind of like the speculation zone more than the spoiler zone or the news zone. So let's get... let's clear the spoilers, get away from the cloister bowl, and, and get back to some news before we bore the listeners to tears. <laughs> Sylvester McCoy appeared on Breakfast on February 8th to discuss his forthcoming role in King Lear, a new play starring him as the fool to Sir Ian McKellen's Lear, and performed by the Royal Shakespeare Company. Ian... It's not really a new play, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I heard it before. <laughs> yeah, written by that bloke that appears in season three. Yeah, really? What, David Tennant? Billy, Billy Shakespeare. Hmm. <laughs> it opens in Newcastle in April, after premieres at the end of March in Stratford, and then it will tour around the world, including Singapore, Australia, New Zealand, New Zealand, and America. Wow. There was a mention of Doctor Who in his um, appearance in On Breakfast, where they introduced a, uh, which was introduced by a clip from the Silver Nemesis. Sylvester McCoy talked about the fun time he had in the role, and when he asked about his views on today's Doctor Who, he replied, I think it's terrific. I'm so pleased. It's great to see children get their generation of, of Doctor and the enjoyment they get from it. And then on comparison with the humor and the fun from his own era, uh, that's rather flattering, really. It's even some, even some of our stories that's uh, kind of, they're, they're kind of used to those. But all the writers and the producers they grew up with, I suppose, during My Doctor, so that influences um, them in, in the way they create the new Doctor. Yeah, good to see that he's still kicking about and uh, doing Shakespeare. It's, uh, he is a very good actor. Um, it's sad that they included a clip from Silver Nemesis in the breakfast show. Not exactly my favourite story, but nevertheless, um, it's good to see that he's still kicking around and uh, he's alongside Sir Ian McKellen, so you can't really argue with that, yeah. can you? No. Mm. Uh, I might. I, I don't know. It, it opens in Newcastle in April. Oh. So, if you're in and around Newcastle, you should go over and see it if you're a Doctor Who fan, I guess. Well, even if you're not a Doctor Who fan. But I guess you wouldn't be listening to Podshock if you weren't a Doctor Who fan. So, head up there and see what it's about. Interesting seeing him with Sir Ian McKellen. Yeah. But for those of you not in the know, that's the bloke who played Gandalf in... uh, in Lord of the Rings, of course, but I don't know why you'd be listening to this and you wouldn't know that, but 
Was suppose he, it's possible. He in X Men as well. Yeah, he was Magneto yeah. in X Men. <clears throat> That's another possibility where people would uh, would know him from. God and Monsters, and a long, long, long history of um, acting roles. Indeed. He's been in a few things, yes. <laughs> yeah, just a few. A few small things, nothing major. Anyway, so, next news story. Uh, this is kind of an interesting one for me, anyway, because I was a huge fan of the Beano uh, when I was a kid, and that is the fact that Doctor Who will be joining the Beano. Uh, so, actually, not even just Doctor Who, the Daleks as well, and they're going to encounter the Bash Street Kids, which oh, is, no. of course, where the... Uh, the ident in the start of the show started off, which will probably have confused many of our lovely American listeners, but never mind. Um, well, maybe we should explain for people outside of the UK about you know what the Beano business is all about. Because yeah, in the United that would States, be a good we think point. it's to help relieve gas. <laughs> it couldn't be further from the truth. Well, I hope so, anyway. The Beano is a children's comic. It's, I think it celebrates its 70th anniversary in 2008. Um, in fact, it says somewhere, if I can find it on our post-gala prey. Um, and it's basically, it's always been full of um, your standard stories of kids who don't behave and try to get one over on their parents or on their teachers. And the Bash Street Kids is one of these stories where it's, it's a class full of kids, um, all of which are different characters um, and their teacher and all of the ways in which they sort of misbehave. And apparently um, they're set to have the Daleks invading the school. And frankly, my money's on the Bash Street Kids because I don't fancy the Daleks' chances at all. No, nor do I. Not knowing the Bash Street Kids. Mm -hmm. I would have said that if it was uh, before the 2005 series, you know, they'll run up some stairs or something. I'll push them down some stairs. But maybe it's not going to be that easy. But I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting. But they've also got uh, loads of other um, celebrities appearing in the comic strips because this is actually start a start of a new comic, it would seem, called Beano Max. So I presume Maximum Beano or something like that. Um, and yeah, it's aimed, at, aimed at slightly older readers, and it's only out once every month, I believe. And there's, and oh, okay. Issues. So, but uh, one thing is true that it's it's out there to promote um, comic relief, which is a big sort of charity event every year here in the UK to raise money for AIDS every, in Africa. It's and every two years, comic relief. Every two years, okay. Yeah. So, and it's Red Nose Day. People go around wearing silly red noses and do crazy things to raise money for charity. Um, but the comic issue relief is going to include Jamie Oliver. Goodness sakes, why? Who knows? but we won't go there. Um, he takes over the role of the school canteen appropriately. Uh, Jonathan Ross, Rowan Atkinson, and the boy band McFly. Uh, plus uh, footballers Frank Lampard, Steven Gerrard, and all sorts of other different guys So and girls. So check it out. It's going to be interesting. I'd love to see the Doctor's role in it. And indeed, what happens to the Daleks? It's going to be interesting. Well, as a side note, the Beano Annual has traditionally been a top-selling children's book at Christmas since the 1940s. Indeed, yeah. But it has been beaten this Christmas, this Christmas meaning uh, 2006, the one that just passed, by the Doctor Who Annual. So it has topped Beano, um, and now um, they're joining forces. If you can't uh -huh. beat them, join them. <laughs> Indeed, it would seem so. It would seem so. In a recent interview with Doctor Who magazine, co-executive producer Nick Briggs has released more information about the fourth Dark Empire series. Entitled The Fearless, the series will take place during the first Dalek Empire series and will feature at least one of the original characters 
um, storyline has already been approved by the BBC and with recording slated for May. The latest serial will be released from September to December. I'm speaking of uh, big Finnish um, audio dramas, and that kind of um, goes right to um, Colin. Colin wanted to mention a few big Finnish updates. Uh, yeah, um, the last um, update on Big Finish, which by the time you hear this will have been for a while now, is from still from the 1st of February where they had announced the forthcoming Doctor Who titles that they were going to have up to their Story 100, which is called Earthstorm and is to be written by Stephen Baxter, um, chap who is a Liverpool-born writer, I believe. Uh, and... They've also released, as, as I've just said, the um, stories up to that, including, if I can actually find them here, um, they're having the start of their new releases in which they're going to have three episodes for one story and then a bonus episode for the fourth story. The first one for that appears to be released in April, which is a Sixth Doctor story um, called ID. Um, that, I think, is the bonus. That is the three-part story, with Urgent Calls being the bonus story. Then the following month in May, they've got Exatron um, with the bonus story of Urban Myths. Uh, and then the third one that they are doing is Not Until July. That is The Wishing Beast um, with presumably the bonus story being The Vanity Box. And that is also going to be a Sixth Doctor story. So um, the Exatron and Urban Myths one is a Fifth Doctor story. And then um, the 100th story, Earthstorm, is being released late September and is going to be a sixth Doctor story. Wow. Mm -hmm. Loads going on there in the big finish world. Loads. Well, yeah. yeah, they've done really well. I mean, the circular time release um, from reading um, on the forums of our post Gallifrey seems to be very, very well received. Um, for anybody that hasn't listened to it, I, I made the mistake when I first got it of um, when I was listening to it I actually thought, despite the fact that there were plenty of clues on the cover, that it was actually one story, but it's not. It is four separate stories, all dealing around um, a theme of sort of beginnings and endings um, and how it's kind of the same sort of thing that um, Big Finish did with their um, competition recently. It's, it's kind of four stories that you could have along the lines of how the Doctor changed my life in a way. Um, and I would say that Episode 3 is probably the most poignant one. Um, episode 1's not bad. Episode 2 has David Warner in a very, very good role as Isaac Newton, playing almost a sort of um, an interrogator. Um, and there's an excellent sequence there involving... Um, I won't go into too any details to give, you, um, give away anything, but where he uh, uses coins to work out things. Um, and then in the third story, it's basically a doctor playing cricket while... Nissa has a sort of um, a lifetime awakening of her own. And then the fourth series, fourth episode is all about how the Doctor and Nissa meet again years later, um, perhaps for the last time. Um, and I won't go into any more details, but it's a very, very poignant ending to the whole lot. And as I say, to read from the um, postings on our post Gallifrey, it seems to have been very well received indeed. Hmm. Yeah, I've, I've heard positive things about it too. So, it's worth, but make sure when you're listening to it, it's four separate stories. They're not linked by anything really, except this this whole theme of perhaps beginnings and endings. Mm -hmm. But there's nothing from each story that carries on into the next one or anything like that. And it also helps on the fourth story if you have seen, oh crumbs, what was? Um, in fact, no, I won't say because that will um, 
probably give away part of the story as well, so I won't tell you. You'll have to listen to it and find out. Cool. Fair dues. We trust your judgment, mate. You are our big Finnish guy, along with uh, Taris, who, mm -hmm. but we haven't heard from Taris in a while. Actually, should... he, he, you'll be hearing from him in this episode. Oh, awesome. Fantastic. <laughs> you see, I'm out of the picture for a little bit, and... Uh, it doesn't there get any better, does it? You know. <laughs> we have Colin, we have Taris. What more can you ask for? We've got every <laughs> single major Podshot contributor, almost. Almost. <laughs> almost. So um, all our news stories, you can uh, read more about it by going to Outpost Gallifrey, which is gallifrey1.com slash news, and read more about it, and um, they're always up to date on their news section, and so check it out. Yeah, by the time for real. This episode goes out, we'll, we'll be smack dab in the middle of of uh, the Gallifrey Convention. Yeah. Yeah, this uh, upcoming weekend, as the time, yeah, we're, we're recording this on Sunday, the, what's today, the 11th? So 11th, yes. Next yeah. weekend is the big weekend in um, LA. So uh, we should do one last call out um, just in case this episode goes out any earlier and you still have time to get to Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Airport Marriott Hotel. February 16th to the 18th, you'll have a chance to see Colin Baker, Caroline John, Eric Roberts, Terry Malloy, Jeffrey Beavers, Maggie Stables, and a whole bunch more. <laughs> so uh, you can get a whole listing of the whole uh, people that are, are attending, the confirmed guests, at gallifrey1.com slash gallifrey.php. Uh, just click the links once you go to the Outpost Gallifrey for Gallifrey 1. Very cool, and we'll be looking forward to hearing everybody's reports uh, from the convention. Absolutely. We're, uh, yeah. we're letting the listeners of Podshock be our man or woman on the street, which I want to make a quick mention creature. of. <laughs> yeah. um, I cannot believe how much feedback we've had from female listeners. This has been amazing. The la I would say 50% of our feedback in the last month have been from, from the girls. So, bravo. I'm quite ladies. pleased. Bravo. It's good to know. It's good to know that it's not just uh, blokes. I think it's James. It. It's it's nice that we have a sex symbol on the show. <laughs> Please don't don't go there. <laughs> James with his Leslie Phillips voice, isn't it? I always found Doctor Who um, to be one of those um, welcoming shows to both um, sexes. You know, where I, I think I I see a a nice. Um, balance and fandom in you know in the years that I've been associated with Doctor Who fandom of both male and female fans so I, I always thought Doctor Who attracted a good mix of um, both. Thank you for rapidly changing the subject there Lewis and saving my bacon. <laughs> <Good night>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my sister I can't believe it she's um she, she's even getting well she's oh she was always a, a Doctor Who Tom Baker fan you know where it was if it wasn't Tom Baker it wasn't Doctor Who whatever so but now she's been because of BBC America she's been uh watching um the Christopher Eccleston series and um she's she has a cat also named Molly so she's going around um after seeing um the empty child and Doctor Dances now she's going are you my Molly <laughs> oh no oh dear yes. oh, oh dear, oh, dear. <laughs> Does, does the whole kind of punning gene go throughout the family, Lewis? Is, is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, Do you think yeah, she'll yeah, appreciate yeah. you sharing this story as well with the world? She doesn't have a choice. Apparently, uh, <laughs> apparently Trapani is Italian for pun. <laughs> Trapani? It would appear so.
Trapani. Oh my no, no, no. Oh, give us a warning, Lewis. Give us a warning. Warning, warning. This is like psychological warfare, it really is. I surrender. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. So moving swiftly on, do we have any more news in the newsroom? I think that um, wraps it up for news. <laughs> Do we have any announcements to make? Well, we wanted we got some interesting um, um, submissions for uh, to create a mashup promo, and um, you know, keep yeah, the exhibition. That, that, yeah, it's mm. been really exciting. Um, I really liked what I heard so far. So um, keep it up. Yeah, details on our website, podshock.net, on the front page. Scroll down, and you'll also see. Uh, Interesting, we forgot to mention this briefly while we asked for contributors as well for uh, the Gallifrey One convention, but don't forget Ken's challenge as well uh, on the main page. Mm -hmm. uh, there's lots of information about that for your chance to win. Because uh, Ken is very challenged. Box set. Indeed. Well, <laughs> he didn't get that. Some may say so. But, uh... <laughs> okay, Ken is still listening. Okay, that's just my. Yeah, yeah. He's alive. He's alive. So, anything else, guys, before we move I on? I really enjoyed the submissions on those mashups, by the way. That's a lot of yeah, fun. they are good. We, we, we have uh, some good competition, I think. It's going to be very difficult choosing a winner for this exhibition. It's, it's an exhibition, not a competition. So, there we are. Exactly. Could I put in a quick plug, then, as you're asking things, Ooh. for um, Who of in course. the Cavern? Which of course. Please do. Um, I know that um, Doctor Who Online have been helping support it this year. Um, but I do know that their special ticket offer, uh, where you can get a ticket for £19, comes to an end at the end of February. After that, they go up to, I think it's £25 each. Wow. Um, and obviously, it all, all goes to a good cause. Um, their website address is www.whointhecavern.co.uk. That's all one word. Um, and their confirmed guests currently, um, subject to any other... Um, other um, engagements coming up are currently Terence Dix, Annika Wills, Sophie Aldred, Colin Baker, and Charlie Ross, who is a performer who's been in number in a number of um, big Finnish Doctor Who stories. Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. So, will you be attending this year? Uh, I have. I've got my ticket. Well, I heard it. I heard it on the um, Doctor Who Online um, DWR Whocast. So I thought, ooh, got to get my ticket for that. And also, good man. Just over the river from me, so I'm going to be there anyway. And I think Good I think Seb, Seb and Paul were talking about they might have a table there or something. So yeah, it'll be good to go, man, because uh, we had a blast last year, and it's just a shame uh, I can't go this year. So yeah, but, well, we met uh, Seb as well last year, didn't we? So we did briefly. We uh, had a nice chat to him. He's a top bloke. So uh, yeah, I think it's a good uh, opportunity for everyone to kind of meet up in the north, really, because all the other conventions they don't really seem to have any. In the north, they all tend to be in the south, um, particularly with things like uh, regenerations in, in Swansea in Wales. So it's uh, a nice little convention, and you can't argue the fact that it's in the Cavern Club. So, yeah, well, thanks for reminding the listeners, mate. Really what, at the moment, it's only 20 quid, which is excellent value. So, Yeah, mm -hmm. especially compared to other conventions. But uh, there we are. After which they go up to 25, don't they? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. After the end of February, we should say. That's it, yes. Cool. Okay, so, jam-packed so far. So, I believe we will take a short break and we'll be back with features. I so, believe you're uh, right. 
We'll be back after this. This is Deborah Watting, and you are listening to Doctor Who Podshock. Do not move. We will be right back. Attention all Cybermen. This is the Doctor. Next time on Doctor Who. We're being boarded by Cybermen. Lucy! Quick, get in here! Are you getting on, Pete? There are too many of them, boss. I don't know what we can... Fall back! Everyone, fall back! Have they reached human resources yet? Yeah, they've taken the entire first floor. That means they can get to Earth. Doctor Who, Human Resources, Part 2. Problem? Silence, humans! Begin feature presentation. Obey, obey, obey. And we're back with Doctor Who Podshock. So we wanted to kind of talk about this. We didn't really think it was news per se, and it's only really loosely related to Doctor Who, but it's nevertheless something that is interesting and and will probably be of interest to a lot of fans out there. Um, Which is the news, of course, that uh, ITV has, of course, been uh, making production, and we've kind of loosely commented it, on it in the past, this show called Primeval, which has now aired its first episode on ITV. And But unfortunately, with me being in the Netherlands, I haven't had the opportunity to, to see it. But, of course, our good mate Colin here has. Mm-hmm. So um, yep. it seems to me to be kind of a, a, a cross between, well, basically ITV's attempt at Torchwood. But just briefly, Colin, tell us what you thought of the series. And uh, so far, I mean, obviously it's only been one episode. But what have you made of it so far? Um, I thought it was pretty much straightforward in terms of, if you've seen any of the adverts, they've actually got some of the adverts on YouTube and they've sort of set it up as this sort of investigation team that investigates tears in the space-time continuum or something along those lines, um, which is remarkably similar to the sort of premise of Torchwood, although this one seems to be more action, whereas I thought Torchwood was more sort of intrigue. Um, I thought it did more or less what it said on the tin. It gave you a Saturday night sort of action serial, a bit of sci-fi, um, a bit of mystery and a bit of tension. Um, there were a few elements of it that I kind of had problems with, and I think it's probably a bit early at the moment to say for certain that this is going to be an absolutely fantastic series, but I thought it, it wasn't too bad. It was diverting, and I enjoyed what I saw of it. Right, because I suppose the biggest news about this, of course, has been that it has been in sort of the Doctor Who time slot. The fact that it is on Saturday nights at sort of the same time. It's not, of course, in yeah. in direct competition with Doctor Who, but I think that's what kind of has, has injected a lot of interest from fans is the fact that it is it is on that in that same time slot, and not only is it of the same Doctor Who time slot, it seems to be mimicking Torchwood. Mm. Um, 
what what would you say that was accurate and how do you think that other UK fans have you spoken to other fans about this uh, what they've thought about the, the series in general or um, what's been the got vibe a, in the UK yeah people have got a sort of a mixed response to it at the moment I mean um, a lot of the time I was talking with people about um, they had these little sort of preview adverts where they sort of talk about the various characters and say this is such and such she does so and so and she kills monsters for a living and all of this sort of thing but it seemed a bit i don't know it was um some part of it i think was sort of um on unintentionally hilarious like they had one where one of the characters is nick cutter university professor misses his wife has seen the past and i thought well, I've seen the past, you know. I mean, I can remember last week and I can remember last year. <laughs> if I push my mind, I think I can remember back to the beginning of this show, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, that's not, you don't hear, exactly, but you don't hear me banging on about it all the time, do you? you know? um, but that said, I mean, they're all, they're all sort of getting to know each other. They've got the standard, they've got the brainy girl, they've got the pretty girl who's sort of the expert and they're both showing them as being intelligent. They've got the sort of dippy university student. They've got the university professor who's had a tragic past. And they've got the sort of handsome action bloke that um, kills monsters for a living and probably has a dark secret or something. Um, <laughs> I, I like that. I, just throw that in. Probably has a dark secret or something. Like do that. I sound jaded? Because they, they, they've not really mentioned much <laughs> about him. So, uh, I mean, there were, there were things in it, like yesterday's episode. The special effects are not bad. Um, they look CGI, but at the same time, they look like reasonably decent CGI, considering, um, you know, that it's a, a British sci-fi series. And up until Doctor Who, we didn't get anything. We actually thought, wow, that looks really good. Um, they've got one of these sort of flying lizard things, which seems to have been thrown in partly, I think, to appeal to some of the kids and go, oh, isn't that cute? And also to appeal to the merchandising. Um, I'm sure. They had sort of various bits, like the fact that there's a bit in it where a dinosaur attacks a little boy through his bedroom window, basically mm -hmm. wrecks the entire front of the uh, house, rips all of the tiles off the roof of the porch over the doorway, and the mother comes in and goes, what have you done in your room after the child survives? And I thought, the neighbours didn't hear any of this, you know. Um, yeah. He survives, obviously. Then the dinosaur later then turns up at the uh, school and nobody notices except the child and his teacher during the attack. And there doesn't seem to be anybody else about this school. Um, it's all taking place in the Forest of Dean, which is strangely enough sort of on the border between England and South Wales, not that far from Cardiff. So uh, what is it about oh. South Wales and rips in space-time? <laughs> um, and the fact that there's one bit where the child sort of, I don't know whether he, he pricks his finger on a nettle or something like that and leaves some blood on the leaf. And this is what causes this dinosaur attack on the house. And I thought, well, if this dinosaur is so attracted by the smell of blood how come he's never sort of noticed anybody else or he's never been uh, attracted by the smell of say household pets or somebody preparing or the butchers or, or something yeah um and you know is the forest of dean really that big that nobody would notice sort of sparkly rips in this uh, time space continuum and things like that um and that, like i say i mean i think it sets out to deliver a basic sort of action series and something that's sufficiently diverting at that time and i I think based on what it was set out to do, I think it achieved it. Next right. detail is Giant Creepy Crawlies in the London Underground, which reminded me a bit of um, sort of the uh, Doctor Who second Doctor adventure with the Yetis in the Underground. So they're obviously going for the sort of idea of scaring the hell out of the kids and making them not want to go to sort of places that seem normally all right. Mm -hmm. um, I, I do think, though, that it's encouraging that ITV have decided that they're going to make a change from giving us sort of celebrity wrestling or 
um, how would I describe it? Talent wannabes whoring themselves in front of Simon Cowell. So uh, <laughs> yeah. it is kind of nice that you know they are doing that. But I notice that they've decided not to put it up against Doctor Who yet because, to be honest, it wouldn't stand a chance yet. Doctor Who has been around for what forty-four years now, is it? And this is only sort of around for one week. So, and also, I understand that it finishes before the uh, new series of Doctor Who starts. Oh, never mind. So, eh? but. I think that's very that's something that they very deliberately done themselves anyway. Um, and yeah. I also understand that it was a series that was originally um, pitched to the BBC, but they turned it down because obviously they got um, Torchwood in the works at the time. Um, that's interesting. interesting. Yeah. Because I guess maybe ITV has been a bit slow off the, the mark then, or, or maybe the BBC were well in production with Torchwood by the time that this was pitched to them, but it does see a lot of the the um, core ideas do seem to be pretty similar. I mean, I can't really comment because I've not seen it, but mm. I don't know. It, it does seem very similar to Torchwood, and just but except for the fact that they've thrown more dinosaurs in. And things well, there like are that. there are similarities. These guys, they've got a home office team behind them. They've got um, Ben Miller, who plays the sort of home office official. Who is he on their side, or is he the one that's going to get in their way? Um, and it. I, I don't know. I mean, it, they sound like they're more a disparate group. Um, they're more a group of individuals who just happen to have come together, as opposed to Torchwood, where it was sort of supposedly a series of experts um, who sort of quickly became completely dysfunctional as the series went on. Um, I, I don't know. It, it sort of it gave me exactly what I was expecting, which Torchwood didn't. All the way through Torchwood, I was thinking, what is it that really doesn't do I not get in Torchwood? Mm. And when, again, going back to the DW Who cast, the one that Colin Baker did with them, he put his finger on exactly what it was in that with Torchwood, the problem was we didn't get the Torchwood that we were sold. Because if you watch Doctor Who, Torchwood you got was going to be some sort of neo-fascist organization that was sort of had this secret um, aim of protecting the earth, but also restoring, you know, the British Empire to its, its um, f- former glory. And I thought mm-hmm. that sounded really interesting. And instead, every week in Torchwood, we sort of got everybody sort of things about, oh, who's going to shag who next? And then who's, <laughs> who's going to be an emotional wreck this week? And after a while, I wasn't interested. It was well done, and it was very professionally done. And the production standards were excellent. But there was a time after which I was thinking, like, I'm not interested in finding out their emotions anymore. I just want to get on with the story. And yeah. it's a suppose primeval does that but then again maybe it goes too far away it's more comic book heroes rather than actually getting into them but again mm-hmm. this is only the first week so we'll just have to see how it goes hard to tell so another five episodes to come and seven o'clock on itv saturdays that sort of time uh, i think it was it's 745 okay it comes, 745. After dan- comes after dancing on ice so oh dear yeah oh, well indeed so now this might actually be a reason to tune into ITV uh, on Saturday nights as opposed to, yeah, as you said, all the other tripe that they have on there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I shall, I shall have to acquire it through other means and, and see what it's like based on your, your review. So cheers for that, mate. It's been uh, interesting. No. But on, on that bombshell, I guess I should... Uh, I, I have to bow out, sadly, gentlemen. But uh, as always, it's been a lot of fun. James, thank you so much once again for being part of the show. Yeah, I'm sorry my schedule has been a bit hectic this week and I haven't been able to, to record for the full show, but I'll, I'll be back next week, fingers crossed. All things being, being well. 
fingers, my toes crossed, and any other part I can cross, I'll cross it. <laughs> we'll see Great image. <laughs> so thank you so much, gentlemen, and I shall see you all next week. Be well. Take care. Cheers. Bye, Bye for now. Cheers. Bye. Colin, um, what's all this <laughs> rumors we were hearing about you replacing James <laughs> on the show? Well, this has gone back some time. You're asking me? The first I heard about it was when James mentioned it on your show, and I nearly went through a set of red lights at the time. <laughs> I was like, what? And I, do you know, I have searched out Post Gallifrey for this alleged thread that says that I'm supposed to be taking over from him, and uh, I can't find it anywhere, so. Conspiracy. Well, this is, I, I did figure, should I come on at some point and say, well, you know, me and James had had a chat. We just decided, we come to an agreement, you know, the UK wasn't big enough for the pair of us. Somebody had to go. So, hence, James has moved over to Europe, you know. You mean the UK is not part of Europe? Uh, not according to a lot of the people who live here, no. Okay. <laughs> So much for the EU. So, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> so moving along, uh, we've been a bit remiss because through the last several weeks, BBC Seven has been show has, can't I can't say showing has been airing or has been um, you can listen to new Doctor Who adventures starring the Eighth Doctor Paul McGann, and they've done a complete series. We have. Um, information about it on our website and also on Outpost Gallifrey, and you can vote on particular episodes on our site, Pachak.net. And um, Darth Skeptical, who we've last heard from when he did his um, well-received review of Space Museum, is back once again with Darth Skeptical Chronicles. And this time, he takes his um, reviewing acts to... Well, he doesn't really hack it up, so I shouldn't say that. Um, he does a fabulous review of No More Lies, which is was just... Um, transmitted last week which by the time you listen to this podcast is probably two weeks ago on bbc7 okay kids quick quiz what do you get when you combine time-eating pterodactyls one majorly pissed off companion the guy who played duggan in city of death the aaron sorkin school of television writing and a doctor who's for once pushing the heterosexual agenda Stumped? The answer's coming up in this week's installment of The Skeptical Diaries. This is London. Hey kids, my name's Darth Skeptical, and we're going to be talking about the only form of Doctor Who that can be enjoyed by the whole world simultaneously. Radio Doctor Who. And really, what better doctor to give us a tragic English romance than the ponciest of them all, Paul McGann. 
in what is, as of the 6th of February 2007, the latest episode of the season on Radio 7. Of course, in saying that No More Lies is a romance, I've just given away the ending, so, <laughs> oh yeah, there will be spoilers. Warning came a little late, but hey, what could be better for Valentine's Day than a spoiled English romance? Oh, and I guess I should say now, maybe a little late again, but now, that this little discussion may very well spoil other elements of the season so far, because, after all, this is an interconnected season, and we're coming in at story number five. Why? Well, it's appropriate somehow, because this story does something that is not entirely unfamiliar to regular Big Finish listeners, but has ever only been tempted in two televised episodes that I can think of. For only in the arc and... Lewis, you might want to cover your ears, because I'm going to say this without the tiniest hint of irony. The glorious and bountiful Love and Monsters. Do you get a sense of real-time displacement in the story itself. That's a really weird thing about Doctor Who, by the way. It's a show about time travel, and yet almost all the damn stories are completely linear. What the hell kind of sense does that make? Anyway, here's what I mean about No More Lies. For about the first, oh, 30 minutes or so, you're well and truly thrown off the scent. You could easily be forgiven for thinking that the Doctor and Lucy... That's Lucy Miller, the recently cast radio companion, are in the story's relative future, while the somewhat vague and baffling scenes at a garden party are describing events set at the story's past. It's not really going down that way, but that's what you might think. You don't really know why or when the Doctor and Lucy are so vigorously trying to stop the mysterious Mr. Zimmerman from stealing a time travel device in space. And it's not entirely clear that Zimmerman has any particular connection with the events at an upscale garden party set in the ambiguous present. This garden party is in fact so convincingly incongruous with that spaceship that the connection, the mystery of the story, isn't particularly easy to solve. In that way, it's almost like one of the really good episodes of The West Wing from the time when Aaron Sorkin seemed entirely incapable of writing a linear story. After the 30-minute mark, though, you begin to see that the relationship between the two time periods is much more causal. From the Doctor and Lucy's perspective, the story is more or less linear, and what we have on our hands is a mucking about with time that has some structural commonality with the televised Season 3 story, The Ark. Well, I mean, I say that, but of course, I mean it's more like The Ark refracted through a lens crafted by Russell T. Davies. So it's a bit less monoid and a lot more jacky. A few less security kitchens and a few more sweeping palatial country estates. A bit more hand-me-the-hankies than hide-behind-the-sofa. The emotion comes from the fact that our main guest stars, the quite brilliant Nigel Havers, and Julia... Hi, I learned to sing Hungarian for this production, Mackenzie, have a secret at the heart of their 30-year-old romance. And that secret is causing pretty much all of time to be in jeopardy. Giant, menacing tarmaducks make their way through the time vortex, looking for something Zimmerman has. But that time vortex, it also spits out a friendly vortisaur, whom fans will remember from McGann's earliest audio adventures. On the back of that vortisaur, McGann and a very surprised Tom Chadburn save the day. 
As in City of Death, the valiant Chadburn, though a secondary guest star, is given some of the best lines. I kept a Vortisaur as a pet once, in a manner of speaking. Why doesn't that surprise me? Steady, girl. Yeah, you see, they're not much more than huge flying bloodhounds. Excellent sense of smell, very acute hearing, hence the whistling. The Tarmadoc have trained them to hunt time fluctuations. This beauty here can lead us right to the source of the time loop. But what about the tar thing that was riding it? Looks out for the count to me. Good girl. She needs a name, don't you think? You look like a Margaret. Gordon, doesn't she look like a Margaret? Oh, my God. Yeah, she likes it, you see? Come on, I'll give you a leg up. The saddle should hold, too. What? You want to save the planet, don't you? Solve the crime, make things right? Yes, but I haven't envisaged doing it from the back of a giant prehistoric time bat called Margaret. A mere detail. Right, come on. Come on, Margaret. But to suggest that it's all fun and games on the back of a Gallifreyan pet is to do the story quite a disservice. Because it's really one of the more serious hours of Doctor Who that we've had in a while. All the monsters are quite secondary to what's really going on in this story. The Doctor's fairly easy time dispelling them is proof enough of that. No More Lies is instead about the nature of losing that which you love. Though Julia McKenzie's character asserts here that the most important thing in life isn't love but guilt, the story seems to ultimately decide the greater emotion is that which is the combination of both love and guilt, loss. Both male time travelers, Zimmerman and the Doctor, lose the women they have accidentally discovered are important to them, despite rule-breaking struggles to keep them safe. For Zimmerman, the loss is final. See, I told you there'd be spoilers. And for the Doctor, the loss of Lucy is as much a mystery as her arrival in Episode 1. Whether the Doctor has learned anything from his fellow rogue time traveler is yet to be seen, but for now it's enough to know that he displays genuine anguish in losing this puzzling anti-companion known as Lucy Miller. Just as Heroes had its early slogan, Save the Cheerleader, Save the World, the mantra of this first season of McGann Sheridan Adventures must surely be, Who is Lucy Miller? It's a question that once titled an episode of Beyond the Vortex, the BBC Seven equivalent of Doctor Who Confidential, but it's also the theme of this season. And in truth, it's at least a tentative statement as much as it's a question. She's grown in each story to bring more and more of her natural assertiveness to the fore, but in a quite different way from other abrasive companions like Tegan and Donna. Yeah, she wants to go home, sorta, Yes, she believes she's been kidnapped, kinda, but she's clearly up for the adventure. And she doesn't mind breaking every rule in the Time Traveler's handbook to do it. It's the environment, don't Oh, that makes sense. What do you mean? The gravity. <laughs> See what I mean? <laughs> it's wrong. Give it a try, Lucy. Jump! No, give that a rest. He's not with me, by the way. <laughs> I've been here loads of times. I've never noticed anything funny about the gravity. It's quite subtle because of its ellipsoid shape oh, here comes the and science. its proximity to Mars. The gravity varies massively across the surface of Phobos. So this settlement compensates with an opposing field across the top of the dome that maintains the atmosphere, pushing us down. Ignore her. I've literally known savages with better manners. And she's not got any kind of, if you'll pardon the pun, rose-colored view of the Doctor either. 
She's a northern girl. Oh, that's nice, that is. I've got a northern accent, so I must be about to do you over. There's nothing wrong with your accent, dear, but you're not on the guest list, are you? In this story, her assertiveness pushes the boundaries of the traditional doctor-companion relationship, and she really comes across as the doctor to McGann's assistant. It's an amusing relationship, really, as the doctor is the good cop to her bad one. As writer Paul Sutton says in this week's Beyond the Vortex, the pairing is starting to reveal itself as the combination of brilliant casting and solid character design. We may never get an eighth and ninth doctor meeting, but this comes awfully close. With the added benefit, yes, I said benefit, of blunt sexual tension. I truly wonder sometimes what it is that I've come to like about you, Lucy. I told you, me bum. Will you stop obsessing about your gluteus maximus? You know While I've certainly liked McGann's multiple companion stories on audio, he's long been searching for that perfect single companion, I've felt. Charlie's okay, but she's better with Karis. With Sheridan, McGann may finally have that something special. There's a back-of-the-neck tingle that you get with Baker and Sladen, Baker and Stables, and Eccleston and Piper. The pairing of a northern woman of practicality with that gentleman of time has given us, finally, something worthy of that grandest of all TARDIS interiors. The fact that we don't know how she got into the TARDIS, why the time-traveling Zimmerman seemed to fear her more than the Doctor, who's been chasing her and who this week finally abducted her, only turns the question, who is Lucy Miller, into more of a statement. That she seems to be returned to her natural environment next week, a suspiciously normal nine-to-five job, makes next Sunday seem a very long way away to me. So how many TARDIS groans for no more lies? Well, I always have a hard time with that kind of question. You may not think this from what I've said so far, but I don't absolutely love this story. Fact is, it was intriguing enough to keep me listening to the end, but once you get there, you don't necessarily feel a need to go back and listen again. It's kind of like the Manchurian Candidate in that way. You recognize it for being well-structured, well-acted, and well-themed, but it parses clearly enough on your first listen, and yet has relatively few standout scenes so that you don't need to go ride the ride again. To be honest, the reveal of the big secret at the end of the play immediately made me think of, again, spoilers, the classic Star Trek episode, Metamorphosis. So I'm curiously torn on this one. Love the Lucy in charge. Love the continuation of the seasonal storyline. Love the build-up of the story's internal mystery. Appreciated the somewhat novel structure of the story. Enjoyed that we got a romance-themed episode of Valentine's Day. Like the references back to McGann's earliest audios and forward to The Empty Child. But ultimately, I think that this is somehow just a good solid bridge on the way to and from places more interesting. Three and a half groans, boys. Three and a half groans. Thank you. Thank you once again, Doth Skeptical, for a wonderful 
review, and we look forward to hearing more of your uh, chronicles. I'm sure our listeners are anxious to hear what your what you have to say next. But speaking about what people have to say, we haven't heard tr- from Taras in a long time. Taras is back. He's laying the law down on what Doctor Who canon, what is Doctor Who canon, and what is not Doctor Who canon. Here, I hand it over to the lawgiver, Taras, and listen to what he has to say and obey under the pain of death. Daleks will come to your house and search you out if you don't. I was recently made aware of Paul Cornell's blog and his post on Doctor Who canon. His main thesis is that there is no final arbiter of the canonicity of Doctor Who source material. Paul Cornell's convictions on canon caused me to consider a course clear of this conundrum. So until we can convene a convocation considering the canonicity of the collected complex of creative contrivances that constitute the chief core of considered canon, I decree that I myself am the sole czar of the collected complex of creative contrivances that constitute the chief core of considered canon, or the canon keeper for short. As the sole self-appointed arbiter of canon, I shall issue the following decrees, which will define the orthodoxy of Doctor Who fandom until the time of the convocation. Roman numeral one, all Doctor Who episodes are canon only if they have been released on DVD. Until the story is released on DVD, it is non-canonical. So get a move on it to entertain. Subparagraph A. This therefore means that the key to time is only canonical in the United States, and Invasion, the Centauran Experiment, and Doctor Who the Movie are canonical in the UK only. Expats must choose between the two, subject to import duties, of course. Subparagraph B. By special decree, Fury from the Deep is hereby canonical in full mainly because I like it so much, and I love the Australian censor clips of Oak and Quill. Subparagraph C. This means a fix with the Santarans is canon. Sorry. Roman numeral 2. As far as the Big Finish audios go, any story that was broadcast both on BBC7 and sold on CD is canon. Subparagraph A. I guess this leaves out Minuet in Hell. Subparagraph B. The Bernice Summerfield audios may be declared canonical once Paul's check clears. Roman numeral three. Only the novels that I have read are canon. Paul, I'm working on getting to yours as soon as I can. I may be moved to read a little quicker if you send another check. Subparagraph A. If a novel bores me to tears, I may conveniently forget that I read it, and therefore it is non-canonical. Subparagraph B. A special dispensation for all audiobooks distributed in the Radio Times and stories published in columns of newsprint is hereby granted on a provisional basis, as long as I got to hear or read a copy. Roman numeral four. All comics published in Doctor Who magazine from issues 98 through 260 and from issue 300 onwards are canonical. So are all the letters to the editor in those issues. Subparagraph A. Memorize all the letters. There will be a quiz, a so-called test of fandom. Extra points to all if a letter of mine gets published. Roman numeral five. All the audiovisual plays from the 80s and 90s are canon because I feel Nick Briggs makes a wonderful doctor. 
also so that we have multiple versions of certain stories in the canon. Hey, all stories change with the telling. They're all valid, except in the court of opinion. Oh, wait, that's what canon's all about. Uh, never mind. Roman numeral six. Fan fiction written by my friends is canon. Want to be my friend? Subparagraph A. The price of my friendship is 20 quid in the UK or $40 plus $20 for postage and handling elsewhere. Well, I decide if there's any handling. Oh, you can also buy me a pint. Just remember that I don't drink cheap beer, as the DWNY crew already know. Roman numeral 7. The TARDIS console has five sides and K9 is green. Subparagraph A. Well, I do have a Dapol diorama playset. Enough said. Roman numeral 8. Though Podshot cannot be considered canon at this time, feel free to choose which episodes are to be included in the Apocrypha. Subparagraph A. Exceptions. The episodes that mention me by name are canonical. Also, once Paul's check clears, those that mention his or his works are also canonical. Roman numeral 9. Did I mention that I could be bought? This concludes the complete codex circumscribing the canonicity of the collected complex of creative contrivances that constitute the chief core of considered canon of Doctor Who fandom. Please send your donations and confess your sins to feedback at podshock.net. This opinion piece was written and performed by Taras Natitian for Podshock. The opinions expressed in this diatribe are my own, except where I've lifted them from Paul Cornell and others. Postscript. Love and Monsters is very canonical. Thank you once again, Taras. It's a, a long time no here. So it's great to hear you again, once again, and uh, I shall endeavor to obey the lore's a canon <laughs> handed down from Taras. Except for perhaps that last one. I hope Taras can make it out to Icon. I know he's a New Yorker, so it would be great to uh, have him on the show in person. It certainly would be. I guess we'll move along to feedback after this, after these uh, few messages. So we'll be right back. Why Philip K. Dick hit the madness years? Come over to the Starship Sofa. You want to find out why it took us three episodes and drove us mad? Then you can also check it out. Find out why Alfred Bester was the man who bridged the gap between the Pulp Fiction and New Wave. And if you're ever interested in the top female in science fiction, welcome aboard. If your cup of tea is science fiction classic films, we have them here. Dark Star, Capricorn One. And all cyberpunk enthusiasts out there, John Brummer was your leader. Come over and find out all about him on the Starship Sofa. We are the Pete and Dud of the science fiction world. Welcome to the Starship Sofa. I'd just like to point out that we are not Ant and Deck, we are not Pete and Dud, we are not Derek and Clive. That's just what people have sent to us in email. www.starshipsofa.com Shuttle set for launch. Airlock will be opened in 3, 2, 1.
if you're fans of the British science fiction comedy Red Dwarf, you're going to want to check out Starship Sofa, the latest episode that was released on the 18th of February 2007, as they're covering Red Dwarf, and they're going to continue to cover it in a part two episode the following Sunday. So check out the wonders of Red Dwarf on Starship Sofa. Okay, we're back, and it's time for feedback. And Lewis, who have we got? Well, first up, we have Philip in Illinois. He had sent in a um, he sent some feedback in. I'm not sure if it was our last show, or the show before. I think it was the show before. And he has once again come back with another piece of feedback. Yeah, I, I think he said that the S is silent in his email. Illinois, yes. Lou <laughs> <Yeah>. I... <laughs> is such a New Yorker. Unlike Lewis, obviously. <laughs> this is true. And this is uh, Philip. Hi, this is Philip in Illinois. Good work on Podshock. I am just calling to say, um, yes, I did notice that you had the item of Gallifrey at the very end of the podcast. Unfortunately, I had left my feedback before I got to the end of the podcast on my cell phone while driving to and from work. So uh, that was the wonderful moment of, oh! So keep up the good work, keep the faith, and congratulations on your partnership with Outpost Gallifrey. Two fabulous things in Doctor Who fandom have just become better. Thanks a bunch, guys, and keep up the good work. Bye-bye. Yeah, sort of like a, a great uh, union, not since... Um peanut butter met chocolate has um, two great things come together <laughs> <laughs> to form. Mm. <laughs> That's so terrible. <laughs> no, we're very happy with our, um, our relationship with Outpost Gallifrey. It's, uh, it had been in the works for some time, and um, you know, it was just a matter of time of, um, that it all came together, and um, we're pleased as punch. So, yeah. Yeah. And thank you once again, Philip. And, and no worries. Uh, many times I, I'll speak without, you know, <laughs> suit too soon before knowing all the information before I speak. So don't worry about it. No, no harm done there. <laughs> all right. Well, next up is a freak. Ooh. <laughs> Another one. Of, uh, no, I'm not being insulting. That's um, he, he goes by the name freak. Uh, on the microphone now. <laughs> Sorry, I just busted a few people's eardrums, including Ken's. So, uh, this is The Freak. Hello, this is Ross Griswold, The Freak, 1978, from the Message Boards. First off, I'd like to say that I love Doctor Who Podshock. I find the show to be very entertaining and informative. When I got an iPod for Christmas, your show was the first thing that I put on it, followed by season one of Who Wants to Be a Superhero? <laughs> hey, there's no accounting for taste. 
I look forward to hearing your reports and stuff from upcoming conventions, since I am way too poor to make it to L.A. or Chicago. I fully plan on living vicariously through you guys. I would like to talk about something that I find fascinating. The power of Doctor Who to bring people together. Without going into much detail, I'd have to say that my father is not a good person. I've had a bit of a hard time in life because of him, but the one good thing that I can think of him is staying up late and watching Doctor Who. I crawled around on the floor, pretending to be canine. It blew my mind when I discovered that this is exactly how the actor played the part in rehearsal. In my day job, I am a special education associate, which is a fancy bunch of words for a bouncer that also teaches you math, science, and history. Many educational principles, as well as lessons of good behavior and morality, have started because of seasons one and two of the new series. We started watching it as a reward for good behavior on Friday mornings. But now, my kids have some vague idea of who Charles Dickens and Madame de Pompadour and others were. Admittedly, many of them call the show Dr. Hobag, and they speak rather graphically of what they'd like to do in the bedroom with Rose Tyler. But they have learned some valuable lessons. Plus, it is really funny to see an 18-year-old student speak in a childlike voice and say, Are you my mommy? In my weekend job, more of a hobby, really, I am a very small-time professional wrestler. My wife travels with me all the time, and at one show in Minnesota, I think it was, she made something of a friend out of one of the fans. After the show, this lady practically screamed when she saw me pull a big finish play out of my suitcase. She was a huge Doctor Who fan. We ended up sitting there most of the rest of the night talking about Daleks and Tom Baker and such. In another wrestling-related story, one of the wrestlers backstage and I'll mention no names, because he can be a bit of a jerk at times. I spent the longest time not liking this guy in the least, but he is a huge Doctor Who fan, and that has brought us together. I'll never forget the look on his face as he pulled an old Sylvester McCoy action figure out of his coat pocket and showed it to me. He seemed almost embarrassed that anybody except the freak would see it and make fun of him or something. He also almost died of laughter when I played for him the recent song, Tom Baker singing, You Really Got Me. Again, Doctor Who has brought people together. My final example of this phenomenon is a local comic book store. Again, I'll mention no names because... I don't have very much that is kind to say about this place. Over the course of years, my friends and I have received so much bad service from this place that I can honestly say I hate the place. Rude employees, even ruder manager, they ordered a t-shirt for me once. I paid for it before I realized I got the wrong size. A few weeks later, they tried to get me to buy it again in the right size. Another time, 
a friend of mine ordered the second issue of a comic book trade paperback. The store ordered the first issue. And then they very bluntly told him he still had to pay for it. As you can tell, this store is not a very good place in my opinion. Yet, in 2005, when Doctor Who started playing again, this store held showings of it. I got to see episodes mere days after they aired in England. And you know what? It brought me into their store. The draw of Doctor Who convinced me to put the past behind me and frequent their store. Doctor Who has amazing powers, both on screen and in real life. Believe you me, defeating the Cybermen and the Daleks is a walk in the park when compared to getting special ed students interested in math or science. Or in making me want to make friends with a very rude store manager. This is The Freak, signing off. Well, thank you so much, Freak. It's not the first time we've heard stories about Doctor Who uniting people. Uh, we've heard stories taking place at uh, drive through um, windows and recognizing Doctor Who fans there. And, you know, when it's when you have like a cult show, or especially like in the U.S. where... Uh, maybe up until recently it's been very underground and if you're a Doctor Who fan and you meet another Doctor Who fan there's something special there because they're they're not very common so it had that immediate bonding there and I think that's why back um, in the 80s Doctor Who fan clubs local clubs uh, throughout the United States started popping up everywhere and um, and it brought all these fans together at their monthly meetings and at conventions and other activities that fans can come together and talk among like-minded people um, uh, about particular episodes and and of course it went further from there so um, I mean beyond Doctor Who that is so so yeah, it's it's not a unique story, and uh, um, thank you for sharing yours. And it's good to hear Doctor Who being used once again for educational purposes too. Yeah, there's so many great stories. Uh, it's one of the the joys of being a Doctor Who fan when you when you hear stories about you know how um, it transcends just being a television show where people are coming together. This podcast is an example of that. You know how much we get a chance to meet other people. I mean, we're in contact with people like Colin and James and numerous people around the world that we normally wouldn't have been in touch with and it's all because of the show uh, both the podcast and then the show meaning Doctor Who it brings mm -hmm. us together opens up a dialogue and we learn and explore other people's cultures you know we hear about James was looking up rugby scores before we got on air a few hours ago so you know, these are things I wouldn't be exposed to if it wasn't for the show so it's great great stories and I, and I love hearing them mm. We have um, just a few emails that we want to get to, and um, starting with Kat, also known as Rachel in Williamston, New Jersey. And she goes on to write, Hi, Pachak isn't too long. I like the rambling conversations and the commentary on the, on the topic of the moment. So myself, I like the longer ones. I don't know any Doctor Who fans where I live in southern New Jersey. So, and so I find your podcast very enjoyable. Keep it up. Maybe have two versions, a, a short attention span version and an extended version. Kat, <laughs> also known as Rachel in Williamston, New Jersey. Well, thank you so much, um, Kat or Rachel. 
And um, yeah, we, I don't know, we, we've sort of been wrestling with this and we've gotten plenty of feedback, both um, pro and con, the longer versions or shorter versions. And uh, we're just trying to find a, a, a good, happy medium. And, um, you know, occasionally there will be longer episodes and occasionally there will be shorter episodes. So hopefully it will even out in the end. It's actually been very surprising how many uh, both we've heard from, you know, as far as it's if you want to put them in two oh, camps, oh. if you will. Almost down the middle, although I would say maybe 60-40 towards the longer episodes. Yeah, surprisingly, yeah. Can I just um, say that I'm more in favor of the shorter ones, just to throw the cat amongst the pigeons there? Sure. Um, Well... No, I, I mean, just I'd say about an hour is probably about right myself. But, uh, but I mean, I, I like Kat's idea, but unfortunately, I think, Lewis, you'd probably have a nervous breakdown trying to do two episodes each week, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's better than just to, uh, instead, of keeping, instead of doing two versions, just, um, like I said, occasionally there'll be longer ones, occasionally there'll be shorter ones, and hopefully um, that will appease both, you know, those that like, you, you know, one over the other. Mm-hmm. Both happy. I hope. <laughs> well, moving along, this is um, from Matthew Lipson. Hi, guys. I would like to comment on a couple things. First off, I think you're doing a wonderful job. I found your podcast a little late in the game. I've been able to listen to a little over, a little over 30 of them so far. Personally, I never thought I'll make it that far. Being a 20-plus year veteran of the show, a fan of the show, I thought, what could they say that, would be, that could be interesting? Every show is a revelation and a joy, and it's nice to hear other people uh, who enjoy Doctor Who as much as I, as there is no one in my immediate circle that does. Because of you, I have unearthed my 24-foot-plus burgundy scarf that I knitted in high school, and I'm heading to L.A. (laughs) this week for the 18th Amendment. Second, the Daleks rule. If it wasn't for Genesis of the Daleks, the second story I ever saw, I don't think I would have become so engrossed in the show. From now on, from um, from then on, whenever I found a place selling the Target novelizations, I bought the Dalek stories first. I became steeped in Dalek lore and history. Dalek mania took me by storm. Currently, I have uh, I have waited with bated breath uh, for each Dalek story in the new series. I have so far I've not been disappointed. I have listened to all 14 compact discs of Dalek Empire twice in my car with my. Uh, uh, with my daughters the second time. My eldest now asks if she can listen to the listen to the crickets slash Daleks. I don't get that. Um, <clears throat> I don't have much time to read. I have only I have two very young daughters that take up a lot of my leisure time. Uh, but I've just devoured the short trips anthology related to Dalek Empires. My renewed enthusiasm is due to the new series Big Finish and You. Thank you. Matthew Lipson. Matthew, thank you. <laughs> it's a great piece of feedback there. And, um, and wow. Uh, and go ahead, Ken. I'm he, sorry. He mentioned that. He said, well, I don't know what these guys could have to say that, that I wouldn't have already thought of. I agree. Sometimes we get into pre production, I have no clue what's going to go on. <laughs> Only sometimes? Uh, I'll, okay, I'll take that back all the time. <laughs> Yeah, and um, you know you're not alone in in your passion for Daleks. Uh, obviously, um, as the show has proven, there's a lot of people interested in them, and uh, um, it's it's a part of even if you're not, even if it's not your favorite villain or they look silly or whatever, whatever you know, it, it it's still part of television history, and it goes back to mm-hmm. 1963 and how the Daleks have really 
taken the um, television and and the and the culture by storm in the in the UK. And um, there were two Dalek movies that came out with Peter Cushing and um, and and it, it was you know we never looked back since then. So and if it wasn't for um, Terry Nation's Dalek story, we may not be talking today because it's really propelled Doctor Who in um, you know in in, in the popularity. mindset of people. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so thank you once again, Matthew, and that rounds it up for feedback. Swell. <laughs> well, I know Colin's first upset. First, I want to thank uh, I want to thank Colin for for joining us today. Oh, you're um, very welcome. It's always great when he when he comes aboard. Yay! Oh, thank you. It's been you. far no. too long. What the show? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, <laughs> your absence. <laughs> <laughs> I always enjoy when Anthony Daniels joins us on the show, so it's always great when he when he comes aboard. <laughs> oh my, he's the voice <laughs> of the book, not Anthony Daniels. Oh, that's right, the book too. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what we to have say. to get Colin <laughs> to say author. <laughs> we have to get Colin to say author bruised his upper arm at the end of the show. So. All right. Well, well they're just stunning. <laughs> <laughs> Colin's almost as quiet as I've been. <laughs> well, for Colin's sake, we're just going to try to prolong the show as much as we can. Oh, for Colin's sake. <laughs> yeah, that'll keep the viewers, the viewers, the listeners listening. <laughs> yeah, this one, this one's not really one for the record book, but we're, uh, we're glad to be here. Yes. All right, Lou, wind this thing down. Would you? I got to go to work. <laughs> All right. Take care, everyone, and uh, come back next week. And Colin, thank you once again for being part of the show. And uh, don't be a stranger this long. And um, you know we're waiting to. I mean, do, do we have to wait until Sarah Jane Smith um, gets another series on Big Finish before we? Well, I don't know. You see, I'm <laughs> waiting for them to do it. I've not let them off the hook yet. Okay. I mean, you know, they'll probably excuse of oh, the BBC have got the license to use Sarah Jane Smith. But I'm sorry, no, Big Finish not good enough. I want a third series, and I want it all tied up. I want her painted out of that corner you've painted her into. So, uh, yep. And then, uh, well, I'm hoping to do a few more reviews anyway. Um, as long as I don't get sued by Big Finish for um, using any bits. But um, I... <laughs> that it's, um, in, it's in a sense for reviewing, it's all fair. Okay. Right. You're, pretty, you're going to get an email from Big Finish now saying, uh, actually, no. <laughs> <laughs> well... On that note, um, we'll see you next time from your local lore authorities. And, um, well, actually, we won't see you at all. But, all right. Take care, everyone. Goodbye. Ciao. been listening to Doctor Who Podshock by the fan run GallifreyandEmbassy.org and presented by Outpost Gallifrey. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Come back next week for another exciting and informative episode of Doctor Who Podshock. You can email us at feedback at podshock.net
hate apologizing now. Everything's packed. I've got to go. How did you know? What? I've had the call from Gallifrey. So? So I can't take you with me. You've got to go. Oh, come on. I can't miss Gallifrey. Look, I was only joking. I didn't mean it. Hey, you're not going to regenerate again, are you? Not this time. I don't know what's going to happen. 